Area 10 Faith Community meets in the historic Bird Theater in Carytown in Richmond, Virginia. We worship together at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings, both in person and online at youtube.com slash area10church. Kid-friendly programming is also available at the same time just down the street at 2810 at Community Gathering Place. We hope to see you at the Bird Theater soon. Now, on to this week's message. Where do I fit in? In some ways, that's the question of our lives. It's the question we've always been asking and always been wondering. I, I gave you this quote if you were here on Christmas Eve. You might have heard it. Um, a guy named Kurt Thompson, he said this, we all come into the world looking for someone who's looking for us. And as much as we like to believe that we are rugged individualists and we are, you know, fighting for ourselves and pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps and all that kind of thing, the truth is all of us long to belong and we long to belong to other people and have them belong to us. And this starts really when we're born. We, we are born into a group, a tribe, a community, a family. We are born into something where, where we belong. Um, and, and, and we all have different versions of this, but you're born into a group like you have a mom and a dad, and, and, and maybe you're born into a group of siblings, or, or you had grandparents there that maybe raised you or something like that. But you belong to this group of people. You're like, that's my people. And there's a sense of belonging there. I have the same last name as these people. These are my people. And so you learn that when as you, as you grow older, you start to try to differentiate yourself from those people. Those are your people, but now where do I belong? And you see it most awkwardly in middle school, right, where we're all trying to fit in and trying to belong and we're trying to find out who my people are. And you see it in middle school and high school, and, and you, hit, you hit those environments, usually in the lunchroom, and you have to figure out which table do I sit at and who are my people, right? Am I, am I a freak? Am I a geek? Am I a, a band nerd? Am I a jock? Am I a thespian? Am I like, there's, there's the categories that you fall into, right? And so you do that thing in, in middle school and high school. And this continues on into college, this, this sense of who am I? Where do I belong? Where do I fit in? Um, and now in 2022, I think that's even harder than when I was going to college years ago because, because things have changed and there's so many more options on the table. It's not just, you know, thespians and band nerds and all those things. Now you just have like a million subreddits of things that you could be, uh, identities that you could form, uh, ways of being, ways you show up in the world. These, no, you're not my people. These are exactly my people. It used to be people just like, you know, metal music. Now there's like 80 different types of metal music that, no, I like this kind. And like, it just splinters out so unbelievably far. Um, today, students are, are faced with, as they, as they hit high school, college, this, this whole spectrum of choosing things, even about gender. Choosing your gender was not an option just a couple years ago. Things have gotten infinitely more complicated with all the, the choices that we have in our culture. And so we hit adulthood, and, and we're still hoping to find our place, find where we fit in, find out where we belong post-college. And so we go into a professional field, and we sort of belong with those people who do the job that we do. But then we look for other ways to differentiate. Am I a, am I a mom? Am I a dad? Am I a, a yoga mom? Am I a wine snob? Am I a vegan, a liberal, a, a vegetarian, a conservative? Um, I'm into sports. I'm, I'm, all, I'm all of these things. And we get um, I'm, I'm a Christian, I'm an atheist, I'm an agnostic, and we have all of these different things that allow us to maybe fit in or feel like we fit in or feel like we have found our people. But with all those choices, I don't know, it just seems like it's getting harder and harder to actually fit. There are, there are more options, but there's less sense of connection. Now, some of those options are, are sort of driven by 
market segmentation and advertising, right? Someone's trying to sell you something. So one way to sell you something is to, to make you believe that this thing really fits your unique personality and you, you really should have this thing. Um, so, so we're told we are unique because emphasizing our common shared humanity and our commonalities doesn't necessarily help sell razors. But if I can tell you that you have, the, this is the raise you need, and there's one in pink, so it's for you, like, we can, we segment out like that so everyone feels like, oh, that's my people, this is where I belong. And, and, it's, and it's crazy out there. Um, and I wish the church was immune to this sort of splintering, this sort of division that's happening in culture, this market segmentation thing, but it's not. Uh, over the last couple of years, I, I hear people complaining about church, about this church, about any church, really, but churches of friends, I got friends all over the country that pastor churches, and I, I hear about, uh, you know, oh, the church is too conservative on this issue, it's, it's too liberal over here, they've gone woke, they've gone into QAnon, they've gone into, you know, all of these things that... that kind of get brought up in culture and then also brought into the church because some of the crazy that's out there is in, in here as well, right? And so it, it, you, you, it, and it gets really weird and, 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 and it's frustrating and it's hard to work in as, as a minister. I know a lot of, I know a lot of ministers that are, that are ready to quit because they're just so over the constant from all sides criticism of, your, well, you're to this, you're to this. I, I know people who wouldn't walk into a church because they think all churches are too Republican-y, and I know churches that a lot of people would not walk into because they're too Democrat-y, and they're too woke, or they're anti-woke, or it's just, it's crazy out there, the segmentation that's going on, um, even inside the, the church, and a lot of people are exhausted from all of it. Uh, Garrison Keeler used to tell this story, uh, I heard it years ago, about a guy who was trapped on a desert island. And, you know, on a desert island, what are your options? You either, like, bloody up a, a volleyball and start talking to it, or um, what this guy did was he started building some structures to survive on this desert island. So he, he's on this island, and, and um, he builds himself a little shack to live in. He lives in that. And then he builds a couple other things, and eventually he gets rescued, and so people come aboard, come on, onto land, and they see him there, and they see he's you know kind of scraggly looking, and they see that he's built these structures around the, on the island as he's been living there for years. And they ask him like, "What what did you build? What is this?" And so they would point to a structure and say, "What is that?" And he says, "Oh, that's my that's my bedroom. I sleep over there. Oh, what's this? Oh, that's my kitchen. That's where I do all my cooking over there." And they point to this structure off in the distance. They say, "Well, what's that?" And he goes, "That's my church. Like I I worship there. You know, like." And they're like, "Oh, that's." Really wild, and then they see off in the distance a, another structure that looks kind of similar, and they say, well, "What's that?" And he goes, "That's the church I used to go to." <laughs> and there, there's something to this. There's something that we can't even get along with ourselves. Like there's there's this division and splintering going on, and it's and it's and it's weird. There's so much division, so little belonging. Um, and any tribe or group that we try to join to belong gets splintered eventually. You know, you, you join a group because you're a mom and you want to be with other moms, so you get in this online group for moms, and then it becomes all these political opinions, and you're like, I don't want that. I just wanted to be about a group for moms, and now I have to be this kind of mom to fit in here. I don't like that. And you, you join a group because you want to do gardening, and you're like, let's talk about gardening and gardening tips, and then the gardening groups become super political and starts going with every cause, and you're like, I just want to plant flowers. Do we have to do this here? You know, and it gets very difficult to find a place to belong. And all of this leads to mental health challenges, a lot of anxiety, a lot of frustration, a lot of feeling like we don't fit and don't connect anymore. And 
part of all that is why I wanted to do this series, because I think we're all feeling it. We are feeling like it is crazy out there, and I'm looking for what are the things that can be an island of sanity in that sea of crazy. And so we've given you three things in this series. We've said for believers, for Christians living in all different periods of history and all different, at all different times, there's been a few common things that Christians have been able to cling to to keep their sanity. One is to read the Scripture, understand it, read Jesus' words, let it get into your life. Two is to pray to have connection with God and to regularly, intentionally pray to him and know him. And then three, uh, the concept we talked about last week is dying to yourself, to, to uh, lay down sin and ambition and some things and say, no, it's not about me, it's about serving God. These are all ways that Christians have uh, kept their heads on straight when the world around them was losing their heads. And so finally, I want to give you this, this uh, last idea to wrap up this series um, and, and, uh, about how we can live uh, in community. And to, to do this, I want to tell you a, a, a situation that happened with Jesus, and I want to kind of set the scene here. Jesus, when he first started his preaching and teaching about 30 years old, he had been doing um, architecture, carpentry kind of work before that, and, and then he goes and becomes this preacher, teacher, rabbi, traveling around, telling people uh, about the kingdom of God, and he's doing this primarily in northern Israel and around the year 24, 25 AD, and he's in northern Israel around the Sea of Galilee, and it's a rural area, but there's some cities around, around, around that lake, um, and as Jesus is teaching, the word about him spreads, and a lot of people are really interested in what he has to say, and, and it, Crowds start to swarm around him. Thousands of people are coming to hear him teach, and it's pretty powerful. And, he, and he's teaching things people have never heard before, and he's challenging people, and he's healing people, and there's just incredible stuff. It's, it's getting to be a, a really big deal. And his family has sort of a weird reaction to this because he grew up, you know, in, like we do. He belonged to a family, and he grew up in a home, a mother and father and, and siblings. And so um, they start hearing about him. And they think it's, it's pretty odd because, um, well, I mean, imagine if uh, your older brother said that he was God, right, in your family. Imagine that your firstborn said he was God and people start worshiping him, okay? That's weird for you, right, as a family member. Some of you are like, my parents already think my older brother's God. Like, I, I totally have lived this, Chris. It's awful. But, but legit, though, like, they think, all right, this person, not just he's a good teacher, but he is God and, and like worshiping your sibling. It would be weird for you because you, you grew up with a guy, right? And you're like, I mean, he's all right, but he's not all that. Like, let's dial it back a little bit, right? And so there'd be this weird, and you know, your parents, you're like, you know, you're proud of your kid, but like, whoa, let's, let's, this is a little much, right? And so they have this, this, Jesus is getting very popular, and there's this weird thing that happens, and it's recorded in Mark chapter 3. Listen to the family's response to Jesus. Mark 3, starting with verse 20. Then he went home, and the crowd gathered again so that they could not even eat. So people are pressing in on Jesus on all sides. And when his family heard it, they went out to seize him, for they were saying, he is out of his mind. Okay, so his family sees this crowd gathering around Jesus, and, and they start to think, and I think he's crazy. Like, he's just, he's gone nuts. This is way out of control. Now, I'm not going to read it to you, but in the next couple verses, uh, there's some religious leaders of the day, and they have a different reaction to Jesus. They actually think that he's, like, casting out demons and the things he's doing. They think he's doing that with, like, demonic forces. So his family thinks he's crazy. The religious leaders of the day think he's evil, 
and he's actually like a force of Satan in some way in this whole thing. So the, the two popular ideas about Jesus as he's getting, you know, getting to be a big deal around there is he's crazy or he's evil. Uh, which, so that's kind of the word on the street. Um, and, and, I, and I would actually say people believe, might believe that about him today as well, um, that, that he claimed to be God, but he wasn't, so he was a crazy person. Or people might think that Jesus didn't love enough of the right kinds of people, therefore he's bad, he was a bad force in society because all the terrible things that have been done in history throughout in, in the name of Christianity, that kind of thing. So they might think he's evil today. I think, sort of a side note here, but I think it's interesting that uh, they thought he was crazy in, in that world because I, I actually think Jesus was the most sane person that ever lived and, and the most level-headed and the most grounded and rooted in what is real and what is true. And, and, and the world thought he was crazy. Um, there's a quote that's often attributed to C.S. Lewis, but I don't think it actually is Lewis. I was trying to find the source of it, but it basically it's when, the wor- when everyone is running towards a cliff, the one who is running away from it looks like he's lost his mind. And I think that's kind of what's going on here. Uh, it's not that Jesus is crazy. He's the sane one running away from the, walking away from the cliff, and, and people think that's out of control. So, they, so, so his family thinks he's crazy. Uh, so religious leaders think he's maybe evil. And, and look down in verse 31 to see what happens. Um, and his mother, so he's teaching in this house, right? And his mother and, and his brothers came, and standing outside, they sent to him and called him. And a crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. So Jesus is teaching. He's got these people around. He's doing his thing. And, and outside the house where he's teaching, uh, the, his, his mother and brothers are there. And they're like, hey, we want to talk to you. And, and the crowd's like, oh, your mothers and brothers are here. Now, you would think, the way we think of family, you would think that Jesus would be like, oh, this is awesome. My mother and my brothers are here. I love those guys. Because we kind of have a, a view of family like blood is thicker than water, and, and, and that um, the most, the deepest bonds you have in life are your family. Those are your people. He's my fam, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and we believe that. And, and we would think that Jesus would believe that too, you know, that he would sort of say, Oh, my mother and my brother, this is so great. Send those guys in. I love those folks. They're, they're, those are my people. But what, he, but what does he say? And it's, it, it was controversial when he said it, and it's, it's pretty weird to us now, too. Listen to what he said, verse 33. And he answered them, who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and my sister and mother. It's a radical idea. He basically says, if you want to know who the family, who's really family to me, it's the people who have the same heavenly father. It's the people who will honor God and love him and serve him and follow him. Those are my people. That's my family. That's where I belong. Not just the people I came from biologically. And that was shocking that he said that then, that he basically redefined family that way. And I think what Jesus is doing is he's setting the stage for what life looks like in the kingdom. He, he later says that he will, he will build his church. And the word church is a, a Greek word, ekklesia, and it, and it means gathering. So when Jesus said, I will build my church, he's not saying I'm going to construct a building. He's saying I'm going to form a community. And this community will be formed around the idea of God as father and Jesus as his son. And then we, as followers of Jesus, we are adopted into the family. We are in through adoption with Jesus as our sort of our older brother. 
and we, and we join in that family of, of faith together. This, and, and, and the idea is that this gathering, this ecclesia, this gathering would be in many ways an island of sanity and a sea of crazy. And, and actually, for believers all throughout history, it has been that. If you go back throughout time and, and different cultures, um, followers of Jesus uh, have, have, have been able to cling together and, and withstand a lot of persecution and pain and craziness all around them. And, and you can see this all over the world. If you go to almost any culture in the world, you, you will find um, churches. You will see, and I don't mean buildings. You can go to Paris and see the Notre Dame, or you can go to you know, London and see Westminster Abbey. You can see religious buildings, but those things represent communities, people who have come together in one, in, 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 with one mind and one heart in, in, for a purpose, for a mission together. You see those communities that have popped up um, all over the world, and, and this is what Jesus had in mind, not, not that church would be a building, not that church would be a worship service, but it would be a, a place for people to connect and actually belong. This was on my mind when we planted this church um, over 13 years ago. It was on, um, it was on my mind that, that, we would, that we would form a community, the Area 10 faith community, Area 10 being like the, the center of the city, uh, geographic designation for the center of the city, this, this community that would be uh, a, a gathering, sure, but, but more than that, it would be a, a group of relationships and, and, and a bond where we, where we have God as our Heavenly Father and Jesus as our brother, and we, are love, we love one another, and we are know people, and we are known, we love, and we are loved. Um, that, that was the idea of the community, not to start a worship service in a beautiful building. I love beautiful buildings, and I love great architecture, but that was not um, the idea the church, the idea of Area 10 was let's have community and have belonging. Let's, let's create a space for people to connect to God, find their people, and change the world. And in 2008, I thought that Richmond needed more of that. I thought that this would be the right place and the right time to, to try to form a community. Um, and, I, and I feel that in 2022, even more now, I, I think it's needed as society fragments, as 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 things people put their hope in start to fall and, and things blow apart, as people hit adulthood and they find out that their career doesn't satisfy, as we gain technology and we find out that what the technology does is actually enslave us, as we elect leaders and then discover that they're kind of morally bankrupt, as we ask people to lead us who really have no idea where they're going. You see this all over society. And in this um, as, as, as culture rows its boats around the sea of crazy, I'm looking for the church to be an island of sanity, to help us keep our heads on straight um, while the rest of the world is losing theirs. And I think to do that, we have to intentionally live in community together and before each other. Now, when I say live in community and I talk about the church for some of you, and I want to be honest about this because it, it probably kicks up tension for you, there are some red flags for you of being involved and connected to any church. Some churches are unsafe, um, some leaders are corrupt, some people abuse power, and that is true outside of the church, and unfortunately it's true inside the church as well. And so if you want to find a reason why 
the church is not a good thing to lean into and why it's bad and why it doesn't teach the things that you, wishes, that you wish it would teach or why the community you tried to give yourself to in the past but it let you down and didn't show up for you in a way that you wish they had shown up for you. Like if you want to have criticisms of the church and the church gathering, I'm there with you. I get it. Um, I understand the disappointment. Um, I understand when it falls short of the ideals that we're holding up. Um, I, I get that. And, 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 it, and I've said this many times before. If you want to have a list of your criticisms of the church, my list is longer. I've got it too because I've been in it and worked on the inside of it for, for decades. Like I, I understand that and I have those frustrations also. But I, but I still want to say to you... Um, Lean into this. I mean, I, I understand when, when someone says, let's do this Jesus community together, I understand that you might be skeptical. And you, and you could think it sounds very self-serving coming from a guy like me who leads a community like that. But I still am going to say, read the scripture, pray to God, die to yourself, and live in community. Those four practices historically always have, and they will continue to keep you and I rooted and grounded in the Lord. So let me give you a couple ideas, and then we're done. Number one, choosing to live in community with other Christians is one of the most stabilizing things you can do in your life. I know you may not believe that. I know it may not always seem that way, but I'm completely convinced that is true. What we see in culture is a utter lack of stability. There's so much turnover and change, and nobody stays. Everybody goes, right? I've lived in Richmond 16 years, and I've lived here and been part of this church community for most of that time, um, and I have been here long enough to see a lot of people go. A lot of people leave. They go to live elsewhere. They move around. They're, they're here, but then they're gone. Um, you see that kind of constant turnover. And this, this goes on in our culture. You, for a lot of people, it's like you finished high school, and you were in that place for a while, and then you left that place, and you went off to college, and you never came back to that place because I don't like that place, and I want to try something else. And you move, and then work has you move. And, and we constantly are uprooting and, and trying to plant again and seek new adventure, seek new opportunity and new things. And, and so the result of that is we create architecturally, we sort of create disposable places that are meant to be used up like malls, like we build them and then they're gone in 30 years. Like we create spaces that don't last because, and, and even if we create spaces that do last, we treat them all like they're not going to last because we're not going to last. We're not going to stay. We're not going to, we're not going to be stable. And so we don't invest in to make schools better or make neighborhoods better because we can't think beyond 10 years because we're always moving around. There's a lack of stability that shows up all over culture. And it, and it, and it damages places it, and it damages relationships. And I actually think one of the most stabilizing things you can do is to just stick it out in a place with a people for a long, long time. And especially when you do that with people who share your faith and share your heart for the Lord and your vision and mission to, to love and serve the world. When you do that, um, it can stabilize you 
because you've got people who are in this thing with you and you're not just floating out there like a dinghy in the little, a little boat in the, in the sea of crazy. You're not out there by yourself, but there's a, there's a connection there that can be really powerful. I, I, I have a friend uh, recently who uh, he and his wife announced that uh, they're going through a divorce. And um, I was shocked. I, I didn't know. I, I hadn't talked to him in quite a while. Um, I didn't know. He doesn't, he doesn't live here. Um, but he had been part of a church that I was pretty familiar with, and I'm friends with the, the, the minister of the church there. And, um, and I, uh, he had been part of this church until COVID. So when COVID happened, he and his wife and their family just slowly drifted away from being involved in that church. And then, however many months it's been now later, uh, they came out and said, hey, we're, we're getting a divorce. And I was really sad for them. And um, one of my first thoughts was, man, I wish they had stayed connected to that church um, because I think it could have really helped. Now, people are complicated. Relationships are complicated. And I'm not going to sit up here and say, you know, you will never get a divorce if you're part of a church. A lot of you have life stories that would contradict that statement, right? You'd say, like, no, that's not how that works. Um, and I get that. I, I get that. I, I, just, I just had a burden for them, and I just thought, man, it, it could have been different because I've seen it be different. I, I actually texted the minister of their church, and, and he said the same thing back to me. He said, man, I, I wish they had stayed connected because there was a chance there when they were connected that they were in groups with other men and women who would challenge them and would push them and would encourage them and, and help bring them along and, and walk with them as they had their struggles and, and be a community to try to help them um, work on it and keep it together. That, you're not going to get that necessarily at work. You may not get it from your, your, your blood family, your extended family, but there's a chance you might get that in the church. Um, the, 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 the disintegration or pulling away from some of those relationships uh, leads to some instability and allows you to pull away from all sorts of relationships. And so I, I'm, I'm uh, sad for them, but I, I really believe that the community around us helps us weather the storm, the storm that's in us, that's between us, that's around us. I, I think that the community of, of faith can help us weather that. So number one, um, we, we, we choose to live in community because it's one of the most stabilizing things you can do with your life. Number two, I want to say this about this community in particular. Number two, you belong here. Christianity has spread all over the world, and it, and it, it did it in a way that's very different than other sort of global um, faiths or religions. Um, uh, if you look at Judaism, Judaism has a, here are the rules, keep these rules, work really hard, and if you do, you will be pleasing to God if you just will keep all of these rules tightly. Um, and, and Judaism tends to have an ethnic component to it. So today, there's maybe 20 million Jews in the world, and it never has grown beyond a, a small group of people. Um, Islam has uh, a lot of people, but it, it, it has um, this similar idea that if you will 
keep these rules and work hard, you will eventually attain salvation. You will become something uh, to Allah. And, and so there's this, these five pillars of Islam. You have to check these boxes. You have to do these things. And if you will do them, then God will be pleased with you. Um, you see in, in Buddhism, there's this eightfold path to enlightenment. Um, and all of these faiths and traditions and sort of worldviews basically say, if it's on you. If you will do the work, then you will achieve the, the end result. And from an achievement culture, we kind of like that stuff. Um, but Christianity comes along, and because of the cross, it becomes a very different thing. In the cross of Jesus and him dying on the cross for us, we see a different story. It's not you do the work, and then God will be pleased with you. It is Jesus has done this on your behalf. He has died for your sins. Because you're, no matter how much work you're going to do, it will never be enough to be perfect. And if you're going to be in a relationship with God who is perfect, something needs to change. And Jesus dies on your behalf and on my behalf. And this is why Christianity has been able to spread all over the world and all over cultures and, and, and in different places is because it, it, it approaches this from a, a different thing altogether. You don't belong here because you did enough and now you get to be in, it's more like Christ has made it so that you can belong here. The, the invitation is there. The door is open. The, the Buddha allegedly on his deathbed, um, it, it depends on the, how you read the translation, but he basically said uh, to his disciples, his last words were, work hard for your salvation. Contrast that with Jesus, whose last words on the cross were, it is finished. It's a very different idea that Jesus has done this for us rather than we have to go out there and, and earn it. So when I say you belong here, I'm saying because Christ has done this for all of us and he levels the playing field, um, I, I believe you, you can belong here. Now, when you talk about belonging to a church, people can get really bent around the axle on this. Because you may be walking in here, and I know people like this. I've had conversations like this, so this may be true of you in the room right now. People walk into a church building, this one, many others. They walk into church and they go, I don't fit here because, and then they have their list. I don't fit here because I believe this, because I'm more liberal than this crowd. I'm more conservative than this crowd. I'm more this political view. I am pro this and anti that. Like they have this list of all the reasons why belonging would be super complicated in church and why they don't really fit and why there may be a group of people who believe and think a certain way that can all fit together. But I'm so far on the outside of this, I can't, I can't fit in and I can't belong. And I get that, man. I, I understand. And this stuff is not easy to pull a community together around a common core and mission and heart. And yes, even some doctrine and teaching and beliefs and those sort of things to, to have any of those things and to unify around them. It is difficult, um, but I think it's worth it. And we've tried in the last 13 years as a church to to. To teach this and to invite people to belong and to be, to, to be part of this thing. And I don't know that we've gotten it right in 13 years. It is very difficult to be as Jesus was, full of grace and say, hey, the door is wide open and you can fit in here and full of truth and say, these are good things, these are not good things. This is the way God has ordered the world. It is very difficult to hold those things in tension and thread that needle. But I believe that the leadership of this church is, is committed to it. We're committed to continuing to try to 
create this space where you can belong, um, even if you don't check all the beliefs of all the things, you know, like that you, you can be here and we can learn and grow together and try to follow Jesus. But here's the final piece of that. Um, yes, you belong here, but I do think this, number three, belonging is a choice. It's a choice you make. It's not just I get to be part of the club because they brought me in and now I'm in and that's it. Like, no, you, you, you choose to, to be a part of it. Um, Jesus tells us that to be his disciples, he tells us to cling to him, to hold fast to him. Not, not that he's got us and he's never going to let us go. You know, we like that kind of idea in Christianity. But he also teaches, no, you hold on to this. You stay with me. Re- abide is the abide. Remain in me is what he says. Uh, you remain in me and I, and I will stick with you and, and, and help you along. But there is a choice there that you have to make over and over to belong to the community. Um, you have to say, I want this again and again. And, and that's really true of our best relationships. Um, you say, I do, when you get married, but you have to say it again and again and again, and you have to choose over and over and over again, I'm going to love this person, I'm going to love this person, I'm going to love this person, because it's not always easy, and sometimes it's actually very, very hard. Um, doing something even the right thing over and over again is, is difficult. And it's difficult because when things get tough in our culture, someone will always give you an exit ramp. There's always a way out. In a, in a free republic capitalist-driven society, there will always be a market option for you. There will always be a choice that has been given for you if you want to do something else. So if you don't like that team, you can get off that team. Here's another team that would be there for you. If you don't like that color, we have 20 other colors. Don't worry about it. If you don't like that food option, here's a bunch of different restaurants. You don't want to date that person, there are apps for that, and there's plenty of other fish in the sea. If you don't like, there's all, if you don't like to be married to that person, there's no-fault divorces. Like We have set it up so we have set it up for society so that you have options all the time to disengage whenever you feel like it. Don't like this church? There's another church. Don't like this club? There's another club. Don't like this school? There's school choice. Like, we set this up, and then people take advantage of that, right? They, they say, all right, I'm, I'm out when it gets hard. And the problem with that is that sticking it out through the hard is where the growth is. That's where the real stuff happens is when you persevere through the difficult times. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, Paul says it this way, let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. This idea of sowing and reaping, if you will stick with it, if you will do the hard, if you will lean in day after day after day, um, you reap something. And a lot of us stop short of the reaping. We, we, we sow, we hope that it'll happen, I'll sow the seed, I hope something grows, and then we walk away before the field ever grows, before we ever get the thing out of it that we were hoping to get. We have to persevere and st- stick with it and, and lean in even when it's hard. There is a blessing from choosing over and over, choosing to belong. And so I, I just want to say there are options and opportunities here for you. Uh, there are opportunities to belong, to connect, to fit in. Uh, we're launching a bunch of small groups right now. You can join a small group, get to know some folks, because it's hard to get to know people in a dark room like this, but in the community, there are groups that are meeting throughout town. Um, I'm doing a transformation group that starts next Monday night, so a week from tomorrow. Uh, you could join that, be part of that. 
Uh, there's other groups that are happening around town, and we'd love for you to lean in and choose again to, to belong and get to know people and let people get to know, uh, get to know you. We're going to do something um, that we hadn't done before. We're going to do after church next Sunday. And every Sunday for the month of February, we're going to have like a coffee hour after church. So we're going to gather here, and then we're going to go over to 2810. We've got some people who are setting up some homemade stuff and some, some coffee. And no agenda there except we just want to provide a space for people to get to know each other in the cold winter and to make connection um, and, and to lean in a little bit. So take advantage of these things when they come up. We're constantly putting things together saying we want you to connect to God, find your people, and change the world. Um, because I think the opportunities are there, but we're going to have to lean in, and, and, and all of these things will help us keep our heads and, and, and find that island of sanity in the sea of crazy. Let's, let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the community that you envisioned, the kingdom um, here on earth where we um, follow you, we know you, we have you as our Father, and God, it is tough. It has challenges, it has disagreements, um, but help us to keep love central and to love each other well and serve each other well um, as we try to live this thing out. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.